0: Welcome to the Student of the Game Podcast where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one thing that can change your life in this episode. Thank you for listening. Student of the Game Podcast where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one thing that can change your life in this episode. Thank you for listening. Let's roll. Thanks for tuning into the Student of the Game podcast. Today's guest, we've got Chris Luna out of San Diego, and he is going to tell us all about how to get some real estate deals, how to add value to them, how to make more money off of your first real estate deal. So Chris, uh, pleasure having you here. Let's let's dive into it. Tell the people how they can uh, learn from you and, learn how to get into real estate.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll just go back into my backstory kind of before I bought the real estate. You know, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. And I think that stems from my childhood. When I was a child, I I had like, I was selling candy. I was wholesaling like soda to like my, my neighborhood friends. I would like buy it at Costco and then like sell it to them and like make a quarter. So I've always like (laughs) had this entrepreneur spirit when I was uh, a, a little boy. And so I think when I got older, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start a business. So I dove into a cell phone repair company called iGeeks, started that with no outside capital, just did it myself. Solopreneur, that was probably my biggest mistake with that company. But I grew that company over the span of 10 years, took a lot of the money I was making from um, running that business, and I started just pouring it into to real estate.
0: And uh
1: I, we can go into real estate later, but kind of the lessons I learned when I was running my business by myself was, yeah. well, how old
0: were you when you started that business first?
1: You know, I was uh 22, 23, right out of college. Okay. And yeah, my grandpa cut me off because, uh, you know, I was like, I, dude, no one knows this, but I like saying, I like telling people stuff about me that they don't know because yeah. it's interesting. So I think it took me like six years to graduate SDSU. I was slow, man. Like I was a slow, like just enjoying my college experience. And it got to the point where after like five and a half years, my grandpa was like, like, I can't, you know, I can't fund anymore. You have to fund it yourself. So I geeks came out of necessity. I had to, you know, my back was up against the wall. Otherwise I was moving back to Sacramento, which I didn't want. So if there's a lesson in that for your viewers, for the students of the game, it's, you know, sometimes when your back's up against the wall, it causes you to move in a direction that's better for you. Because my grandpa could have continued to pay for me, but that would have just been making my situation worse because I'd be dependent upon him.
0: Yeah. And why cell phone repair? this something you already had experience with?
1: Yeah, well, there was a need in the market, right? So uh, it's, I'm a soft, or maybe I'm a freshman, and I have an iPhone 3G and I drop it at my fraternity party. And I'm like, uh oh, this is not good. My mom's not going to be happy about this when I come home for Thanksgiving break. You know, my parents were all on me about that type of stuff. So I go on Amazon uh, and I look up the parts, find the parts, find it on YouTube, how to fix it. And I'm kind of like tinkering and enjoying it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool and fun. You know, what started off as a hobby that people, I think in college made fun of me for, like as a joke, you know, they ended up needing my services later on in their careers. Cause everyone was breaking their phones back then. Like they don't make them like they make them now. So, you know, I was fixing phones for friends and family. Um, and after college I said, you know what, this could be a real business. And there's a huge margins. Mm. I mean, I'm buying these screens for 20, 30 bucks and I'm fixing them for a hundred, 150 for five to 10 minutes of work. So it was a no brainer for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so, it, I mean, was it paying for college or paying for everything, or like how much money do you make fixing phones?
1: So, I mean, I think my first target was a hundred thousand, and I I exceeded that. I think one oh, year. Oh wow! Oh yeah, yeah, it That's was way like, more than I thought. Oh, I was cranking. Dude. I think one month, July, maybe two thousand fifteen, like that summer when I was like peaking. I think I pulled in like forty k in profit. In like one month, like all for me, like as like a 20, however old I was, like that was a lot of money. And see, this is where I made the mistake. I wasn't putting it in real estate right away. I thought I was the shit. I was like, you know, bottle service, 40K this month.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Bottle service
1: and just, um, but Hey, I had a good time.
0: It was a good time. Hey, good, good party school, right?
1: Oh man. The best. My experience at San Diego state, I hope my kids go there someday because they, they will have a good time. That's what it's about.
0: Yeah. And you want your kids to go to college or if they
1: want to, they want to. Uh, you know, maybe back, you asked me that five years ago and I'd be like, yeah, I'd want them to do that. But I understand now that that's on them. If they want to go great. I support it. If they don't want to go, I support that too. I it's, I'm going to let them live their lives.
0: Okay. So yeah. yeah, love it. That's, I guess the way it should be. Yeah. So, so, so with the the phone repair company, making easy easy six figures in your 20s wrapping Mm. up college. And then did you say you sold that company or what did you do with it?
1: No, I actually kept it. I still have the rights to it. I figured if anything ever goes wrong, like I'd have that to fall back on. Um, Not sure if it was the right decision. I, I would actually say looking back on it, it should have been burn the boats mentality. And I'm not going back to that business no matter what. And I'll have to succeed in real estate. Obviously I've been successful in real estate, so I'm happy with how it all turned out. But yeah, that's yeah.
0: How are you getting customers other than just friends?
1: Yelp. Yelp, Yelp. I had like, yeah, I built it to almost 400 plus five star reviews. So if you're in Pacific Beach, the the thing that we realize from a marketing perspective is is very simple. People are going into Google and typing in the words iPhone repair. And because it was based on the location in Pacific Beach, which is this college town in which a lot of people drink and party, everyone's breaking their phones. Everyone knows me in this little small community. All the bar owners know me. They're referring people to me. And it just spread like wildfire. I was like the guy to fix phones between 2012 and I'd say about 2021 at San Diego. Well, what started in Pacific Beach, small little office, like my rent was 400 bucks, Like it was nothing. And then just my time. Uh, I later opened another store on campus at San Diego state in 2016. So I started expanding a little bit
0: and you had employees helping you out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I probably had two or three. I was still running one of the shops. They'd run the others. And that's one thing I never learned to do. I didn't learn to trust others and even like scale that business. I was micromanaging too much i think if i had that business now it it could have been a very big company in which we franchised i use social media to to attract new operators i would have ran that business completely different and sold it for 100 million there's no doubt in my mind because there's a company called you break i fix who did just that and that could have been me
0: Hmm. well you still own it you think you would
1: no no the real estate gets me excited
0: (laughs) gets too excited yeah Yeah, well 100 million dollars doesn't suck
1: Yeah, that'd be. I don't know if they sold for 100 million. I think they sold for, I don't know how much it was. Might have been like 30 million. Still really good.
0: Still doesn't suck. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, hiring employees when you're really young, what does that look like? Were they younger than you, older than you? How do you you find them? How do you hire an employee when you're like 23?
1: That's a good question. I'm trying to think where I found them. I think they outreached to me, actually, or maybe I fixed their phones. Um, I believe they reached out to me, and it was almost like, you know, there's no pre qualifications. It's like, can you fix a phone? Yes or no. But I wasn't looking at, um, like other things I should have been looking at, like personality types, taking maybe a test to see if we're even going to be a good fit. Are you someone who could show up on time? It was more so like, you know how to fix phones. Great. It's a highly skilled job. Not a lot of people know how to do that. Like help me out. Let's do this. So didn't have the best employees. I had one guy Alvaro, who was a rock star. Um, but he was just, he wasn't as consistent as maybe he could have been. Mm.
0: So then real estate, you, you're, you're making money with the business, you get into real estate. How does that happen? How did you get your first deal?
1: First deal, uh, 6105 Dorothy Drive. You know, I'm up in LA. I'm thinking I'm going to open a cell phone repair shop on campus at UCLA. And my buddy Kevin, my fraternity brother, lawyer buddy of mine, and he goes, why don't we buy some property by San Diego State like our other buddy Matt? I said, okay, let's do it. So I leave UCLA, decide I'm not going to open a shop there. I didn't like the location, it was overpriced, kind of a weird spot. Come down to San Diego, back to San Diego that, you know, that later that week and driving around San Diego State, kind of just look in and then something pops on the market and I see a property up here on Dorothy, which is like across the street from San Diego State. And I call the agent and the agent says, yeah, we can get it for you. You want us to rep you? At the time, I didn't have my license. I was like, yeah, you can rep me. Let's do this. Let's tie it up. So we tie it up for 630000 At the time, that was a lot. Um, that ended up being one of my better deals. Uh, we put debt on it. Kevin got the loan. And what else? We put down 120000 as a down payment, which in, in single family, we got away with 20% down. And, uh, yeah, we closed it 30 days, closed the deal. I rented it out for 5000 to students. I think the mortgage was like 2800 We were cash flowing. I thought it was a genius, and that that's mm. how it all started. I mean, I'll tell you a second story later on about what happened with that deal, but that's how I got
0: my first deal. Yeah, and the business is how you got the cash through the down payment? Well,
1: I bought two back-to-back. Okay, so it was a $40,000 down payment for 6105 Dorothy, and then 5510 Dorothy, another I think it was like 635000 for that one. So we bought two back-to-back. And the story with that is I actually used a line of credit against iGeeks, my business, and Reliant Funding basically gave me like $20,000. Um, and I took some money that I had saved for that first deal, and that's how I bought the first deal. So a mix of a little bit of cash I had and then Reliant Funding, which was like a high interest rate, and then yeah, on the full other, leverage yeah it, it was i was scared i don't tell this story but i man, i was so nervous i was like how am i gonna they auto withdrawed my payments every single day five days a week i think the amount was like 163 dollars a day for like six months or something until they got paid back and it was scary because i had to like make sure that account was funded or i overdraft i thought i was going bankrupt
0: mm. but it turned out well the, oh it like, turned out great deal
1: yeah, so that deal we later sold for one point, a little over one point six million. I think it was like one six three five, minus some commissions and whatnot. Uh, what we did with that deal is what I'm kind of getting known for right now in the space, and it's building ADUs on properties, and not just any properties. I like student housing because I, I'm just. I understand it very well. It is mm. property management intensive, but I've become really good at it. So we bought this house for six hundred and thirty thousand. We put in uh, two hundred k to build it, twenty five thousand plans and permits, and we later exited it at one six. So I think when we walked, my closing statement said like seven hundred and ninety seven thousand dollars, basically eight hundred k divided by three of us. We each took our two hundred sixty six thousand, and me and Matt, one my other partner on the deal, we rolled ten thirty one exchanged. Tax free or tax deferred into two more deals, and we just keep cr- kept growing by doing that. Mm.
0: So, what's the what's the ADU strategy, and what's an ADU?
1: Yeah, so uh, ADU uh, is accessory dwelling unit. It's very um, it's growing in popularity in these dense cities like San Diego, where where there's no land, right? So there's smaller lots, but we can build multiple units on it. So we'll take a single family home, and if it's on the six thousand square foot lot, and there's a footprint in the backyard to build an additional unit. I can build it by right. It's a statewide basically ordinance that says you, Chris Luna can build this. No one can stop you as long as you stay within these parameters. And for me, it's has to be no bigger than 1200 square feet. Um, It has to stay within certain setbacks from the, you know, the backyard fences and that type of stuff. And within five or six months, it's approved by the city. We'll go and build it with our construction teams here. We'll typically refinance, pull pull out our equity, and then we'll keep the asset.
0: Yeah, true value add. So, uh, so you're building something. Well, like I've never built a property before. So, Mm -hmm. when you have this piece of land that you have the right to build something on, like what is the first step to build an ADU?
1: Yeah. First step is commit to saying I want to, you know, I want to do this for sure. Like commit. Like, know you're going to do it. I know that's kind of generic advice, but if you're kind of half in, half out, like you're not, you're not getting anything done. So commit. Say, hey, I'm going to build this. Uh, After that, go to an architect because they're smarter than me. And so I go and work with people who are smarter than me that that know the code, understand what is possible, what is the 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 max we can build here, right? So I'll go to say Kim or ADU Geeks or Multitask or any of these groups here in San Diego. And they'll say, Chris, you can build 1200 square feet here. Or they'll say on some of these lots, you can build nine units or 10 units. Whatever they say, I usually make the decision, run the numbers on that. And then I'll say, okay, if I can build nine units and I can get this much more in rent, how does my cash flow look? How does my permanent debt look? Um, I'm really looking at that, value on the exit what is this thing worth when i'm all done with it so i know i can get that new loan a 65 percent loan pay back the construction loan and then make sure i don't have to come in with more money Mm. so yeah architect's the first step and then she's going to run it through the state uh, the city uh, plans and permits get those approved that's pretty easy you just kind of jump through some hoops she handles it all you pay her It'll be city fees for me. They're like four thousand bucks. Development fees four thousand. Water and sewer fees. Architect fees eight thousand. It all adds up to be twenty five thirty thousand, and boom, you're off to the races. You you stamp plans. You go and build it.
0: And you're looking to buy, say, a single family house specifically with opportunity to build an ADU.
1: Um, that is that has been the business model in which I've you know created millions in equity around San Diego State. Uh, we could do a similar business model, not around san diego state uh more in a kind of up-and-coming neighborhood we call that north park here in um, san diego and it's you know the working professional it's uh the middle of the city you got a lot of a lot of movement it feels good when you walk around there right and it's not student housing this is more of just you know people working professionals who who want a, a nice clean place to live and that model works but what we're doing is we're basically looking for multifamily zone properties because of that zoning. I know already in my head that it allows me to build much more than one ADU. I can build three, four, five, nine, just depending on the floor area ratio. Um, there's some huge opportunity in, in that space right now. Hmm.
0: And is it, does it make sense outside of California? Um,
1: I'm not sure on that. I know it makes sense in LA. We're working on some deals out there. I'm, I'm currently working with two people out there, um, and they're looking for deals. One, one of uh, Irina, she's an architect out there, so she and a GC, so she's kind of learning the code, which is good. That's her value add to me. I'm more of the operator, raise the money type of guy, um, and then I have Colin also out there looking at deals. Who, so they they're there, and I like that. Um, I know we will do this in L.A. eventually. It's just a matter of time. I like that when you build in L.A. for X amount, um, the exit on like what it's worth, the, it's just like San Diego. The price per unit is like 400 a door, 500 a door, 600 a door. It's worth a lot of money. So that that is exciting, that spread of what I can build for and what it's worth. It's, it's a grown man's flip at the end of the day, but we like to keep the properties. So San Diego, L.A., um, my buddy Christian, uh up in Washington he just told me they're pushing ADUs too so it's becoming more mainstream uh Nate out in North Carolina told me ADUs are thing so i there's a lot there's enough to go around for sure
0: okay yeah i was, I was just curious cuz it's not really something i see a whole lot here on the east coast it happens every now and then just when there's the right opportunity but i look at California and say i would never invest there like yeah you, you couldn't get me to but then yep. you are successfully doing it like you could you could do one of these deals right now
1: Oh, I, I have two. I'm meeting with a seller tomorrow for a deal by San Diego State. And then we have an off-market deal in North Park. So exactly what I told you, I have deals pending right now. Um, I might go and bring him to a the Tykes community, which is Ryan Pineda's community, and we might go and take this thing down together. Him and I were just texting about it uh, earlier this week. So... That's an opportunity we're working on. And yeah, so the the reason why San Diego gets a bad rap, I, I want to address this. And let's let's make a sound clip out of this one. People give it a bad rap because guess what? If you do go and buy 50 units here, it's going to be a headache. It's going to be a headache because you have a lot of protections that are pro-tenant. I'm not saying that's wrong or right. It's just, it is what it is. Now, my business model is not that. My business model is buy a single family home and rent to students. My students move out every year so I can go in just get new tenants, right? I don't have issues with that. I have new tenants. So that's the downside is high turnover, but it is what it is. It's part of the game. Um, And then, so when I'm not renting to students and I'm renting to call it like uh, families and couples, well, that's cool too. Like you can increase rent by 10%, no big deal. Um, But the last point I want to make on this is when I'm building from the ground up construction, there is no issue there because rents are whatever market rent is when you're done building it. And I make them nice with vinyl plank, stainless steel um, appliances. And essentially I just rent them for market rent and there's no issues.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, I just, I I have people send me deals in California and I just don't even really want to look at them because for some of of those, yeah, apartments and some single family and I don't really do much single family anymore, but the same reason you kind of touched on, like if they don't pay, it'll take you like four years to kick them out. It feels like yeah. I mean, it's, I, now you just got to eat the cost. But kind of with your thing, you're protected with that.
1: The students, man, the, the, the parents co-sign. It's joint and severable across five or six tenants, five or six moms, plus their dads. I have like 15 people sign on this lease. If one person doesn't pay, they're all on the hook. And so they know that there's always pushback to get that lease signed. But my units are so desirable, so close to San Diego State that, like, these students often – all demographics. I mean, I have nurses, engineer students, fraternity guys, sorority. Like, they all want to be close to campus um, because who wouldn't want to, like, walk to campus and, like, have that kind of experience to live with, like, four or five of your friends? So. Yeah man it's a it's a very niche market. We were quiet about it for a long time because we were just buying them all. Now I'm telling everyone about it because I'm moving on to bigger and better things and uh, I I don't mind sharing sharing what's out there.
0: I want to talk about the bigger and better things but the first thing I thought of is managing all of it. How do you yep. manage that? Do you have property managers?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was a property manager for the longest time, which I would advise that to people. A lot of people say don't don't manage, you don't want to be a manager. I hear Grant say that, but I actually have a different take on it. I think that early on, you should do the work. If that means manage for a year, manage for two years, do the work, understand. Because if you understand it all, no one can trick you. You always understand, like if someone's trying to one-up you or or they're trying to tack on extra fees or charge more for construction, all this stuff, you're just well more equipped for the rest of your life to understand what to look for in a good manager. And so for me, uh, you know, like, I just, I, I like doing that work. Was I a manager forever? No. How I was long a man- did you manage? 16, 17, 18, 19. I started kind of transitioning out like 2020, 20, about five years.
0: Okay. So it was, gotcha. it was a
1: good amount of time. And, you know, it was extra income on my iGeeks, which towards the end of iGeeks, the, the um, profits start slowing down. So it was almost like a transition as one business was slowing down. I was like, okay, I need to make money with management. So I started managing. As I was buying more and more. Yeah. You're
0: managing other people's properties as well or your own?
1: Our our properties. Yeah. We're managing my properties. Yeah. Just your
0: properties. Gotcha. I was doing property management for, I think, two years for our properties. And yeah, you learned so many lessons. Like uh, exactly what you said. You know, when someone's trying to take advantage of you, because I had a renovation, someone quoted me $17,000. Like Mm -hmm. some people would think, okay, I don't know. Maybe I'll just pay that. It's a lot of money. I got someone else to do it for nine.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah, because
0: I knew that was a ridiculous price. I knew Wait. I could do it for less, and and it was true. I got it done.
1: I'm gonna do the math on that. Seventeen thousand dollars minus nine thousand. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, so eight thousand difference. And then, so what's the cap
0: rate? In, uh, in let's say rate? a seven cap.
1: Okay, okay. Whether it was like a capex expense or I'm, my my point is this: if you were able to save eight thousand dollars in a year on anything, it could be any type of expense, right? Um, divided by you said a seven cap. Let's say seven, yeah. Okay, so, so like you saved you and your investors, right? Because we have a fiduciary duty to our investors when we're doing deals. One hundred and fourteen thousand um, dollars in value. So, like, what that means for the listener is, if he was going to sell that property for a million bucks, he really could have sold it for one point one and picked up picked up a hundred and an extra hundred fourteen. So every dollar matters in in the management game is what my mentor Robert Martinez obviously has taught me. And what Grant preaches too. So um, once you have that thought process down, you look at it differently. You're like, okay, maybe I should manage for a little bit to really make this a profitable investment.
0: Yeah, explain that. And I love Robert Martinez because he's an operator and he teaches a lot on mm-hmm. how to be a better operator because every dollar does matter when you understand the cap rate. Yeah, and, and how the values of multifamily work. So explain just the values of multifamily. How does how does eight thousand dollars turn into over a hundred thousand?
1: Yeah. So in every market, it's going to be different. Um, like in San Diego, I'll see four caps, five caps at the beach. I was buying at three and a half when rates were a little lower and it's, it's a multiplier effect on the, on the, um, NOI. So, and what the NOI is, is the, you know, income minus the expenses. So I'll just do some quick math. If it was a hundred thousand in income and then you had 50% expenses, so minus 50,000, you have an NOI, right? Basically, a profit yep. of fifty net 000,
0: operating income.
1: Yeah, of of fifty thousand. Now, depending on the market, you know, if you're in Texas, maybe the cap rates five and a quarter or six. So it's different upon markets. But like here, let's just say divided by, you know, five cap right now. You know that that gives you a valuation yeah. of a million bucks. So
0: every fifty thousand dollars means a million on the back end yeah, in exactly. San Diego.
1: Yeah. So it's important to really push. Gross income up, expenses as far down as possible, increase NOI, and then also try and exit when cap rates are compressed, so you can get that multiplier effect on the, and and really uh, capture that value.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. That's that's the power of multifamily. That I think maybe I mean I missed it like uh, until I really learned about it. I Didn't understand that there's such a multiplier on the values of all commercial real estate, really. Yeah, most commercial real estate works the same way based on the income. So, how did you end up, you know, buying a couple of houses, adding some ADUs, making some good equity, ten thirty ones? Yeah, how'd you end up doing what you do now?
1: Real quick on what on what you said, actually, now I forgot what I was gonna say. I blinked out, but it um, happens. Yeah, it, it happens. It was about the it was about the NOI and the cap rates. Oh well, uh, how I continue to get deals, it, you know, speed to me, like speed and urgency. Was important. And I said, okay, sometimes when I want to buy these deals, these agents take forever just to get back to me. And I was like, I don't like that. Like, I'm, I'm a guy, like, if I see a deal, I'm going for it. Right. And so I got my license in 2000. I started studying in, I think, 2019 or so, and I got it. And Once I got my license, I was able to move very fast when deals hit the market because these deals were competitive. There are a lot of people going for them um, around San Diego State. A lot of the SDSU grads were kind of hip to the game and we kind of competed for deals. And so when I got my license and I happened to own a cell phone repair shop on campus, now all of a sudden I'm the guy. Like I'm there every day and that was my competitive advantage is I would drive around in circles. I had my little path driving for dollars. And what I'd look for is for sale signs. I would look for them specifically going in. I would drive around once a day. I see a for sale sign, go in, I'd call the agent. I say, Hey, you know, how much is this going to hit the market for? And can I just tie it up in escrow? Can I buy this? Like I own this, this and that, like I will get this deal closed. I also own the cell phone repair shop on campus. I went to SDSU. I just, it's a sales game. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I got bought a bunch of properties, like one after another nonstop between 2019 and 2022. I, I, I was on the buying spree. I'm talking one a month for years.
0: Wow. Yeah. And then uh, transition to multifamily?
1: Yes. And that's but, what I was going to tell you, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. The secret hack for me on how I built a tremendous amount of wealth in three years is this. It's not going to work in every market, but for me, it worked. I entered on comps. So when I buy a home for 600000 or 700000 I'm only competing with comps of the neighbor. The neighbor's house sold for six thirty. Okay. John sold for six thirty. I'm gonna buy the neighbor's house when it hits the market for six fifty. Okay. But what did I do? I added value, okay, and then I exited on cap rate. I exited out on a four and a quarter or a four. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not mm. entering I'm not entering on cap rate and exiting on cap rate like most multifamily. I'm entering so you're entering
0: on, on comps, exiting yeah. on cap rate. Okay. Dude,
1: Mind blown because the the I mean we're having eight hundred thousand dollar million dollar paydays because of this model. Be,
0: because you're adding ADUs and now it's becoming a multifamily. Okay, that exactly. makes sense. It's so, now so an investment to
1: to a, a dog. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think I'm tracking now. So a single family home is going to be valued based on the value of the neighbor's house, basically whatever whatever, whatever, the, whatever the house in the neighborhood sell for. Yeah, that is how a single family home is valued. But now you are building additional units in the back. And now it's a, a commercial property or yeah. an investment, maybe yes. not technically considered commercial, but it's now an investment property. And an investor is going to buy it based on the income.
1: Which is based on the cap rate because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's it's a rental income property. And then on top of that, the investor on the back end who's buying that, he's a doctor, he's a dentist, he's not he doesn't want to do the work. He's tired. Okay. He he just wants to take his money and stash it. So what he likes about it is okay. Chris already has pre leased 10 months in advance for $12,000 per month. Like he leases nine to 10 months in advance. There's demand. Uh, it's And then so they're like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So we sold a lot of them. The first one we sold was like 2020. I sold a 6441 Montezuma for like 1.2. And I was like, this is it, man. I can't believe we're selling these for millions. You know, we always had a pipe dream that we'd sell these for a million bucks. It was always just like, oh, someday maybe. But once we sold that first one for 1.2, what happened was the next one we sold for 1.3 and we kept pushing it. And then it was like 1, 1.4 1, and then it maxed out at like I sold a bunch for 1, 1. 1.6 and 1.7. And then that's kind of when it maxed out and then rates start coming back down. And, you know, maybe my most recent one, I exited at like 1.4 at 5.328 West Falls. So that was it, man. That's how I build a lot of wealth in a short mm-hmm. amount of time.
0: And then I guess it was really good that you were operating it. Because every single dollar yeah. matters when you're trying to sell it based on cap rate.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I didn't even know that at the time. I just knew like, I did. I. It's funny. I, I got into Grant's Real Estate Club and Robert Martinez's, and I didn't know multifamily yet. You know, I th- you think you know it. You know, I've done some mm-hmm. deals, some wholesale, some flips, but it wasn't until I got in those clubs that I really, truly believe now I understand multifamily because it's been. um, it's been about a year I've been in both of those clubs, and the amount of knowledge I've absorbed every week from Grant and Robert have been tremendous to the growth so yeah to to answer your point, um now I am buying multifamily mm. so now now well, I'm doing multifamily deals
0: this, so these clubs and mentorships you joined, why are they worth the money? i I know grants cost at least twenty five grand. Why yeah. is that why would you pay twenty five grand to be mentored?
1: Yeah, because I'm getting ex, like like one of the best in the world in my opinion overall, you know, maybe he's not the the smartest when it comes to whatever this or that, but in general with everything, I'm talking marketing, I'm talking how to get deals. I'm talking basically just model his success. Um, I'm getting that weekly and $25,000. He's already saved me that because he stopped me from doing a deal one time. So that deal would have, it could have like destroyed my wealth. Uh, I got really excited. It was a big deal. I'll talk about a failure. Cause I don't mind talking about it. I, I lost this huge deal. I was working on an $18 million deal last September when rates were going up and Grant was like, don't do that deal. So I walked on it, lost a little bit of money, um, which is okay. Part of the game, but I could have lost everything. I don't think I would have let it ever happen because like, I just would have figured it out. That's my personality. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe he saved me a big headache of having to go through all of that worth millions. So yeah, Yeah. the 25.
0: What, what, what what happened with that deal?
1: So it was very tough to raise money because rates were going up, right? September, October, Mm -hmm. November during my escrow. Um, I, it was, I had, I I had to raise around 6 million and it was so tough to get investors on board because that, and then the debt on it, there was not enough. See, I didn't understand it yet, man. I really did not looking back on it and I can admit that, I understood what I was doing at San Diego state. I did not understand how negative leveraged I was. I was trying to pull debt, like hard money loan because the income was too low. So since the income was so low, it was like the NOI was like 360,000. The lender could only give me like 8 million bucks. So I had to raise 8 million going into this. I thought I had to raise six and then I'll get a loan for 10 or 11. So I was just looking back on it. I was like, they're only giving me 50% leverage. I need like 65% to even make this make sense. So now going into it, I just wouldn't have went into that deal, or I would have negotiated a better price up front. But I was so concerned with beat these other 10 investors, because it was a sick asset in PB. And you don't see 40 units in PB ever. So I was proud of myself that I got the deal, but I got it because I was willing to pay an arm and a leg. I should have just been like, "No, I'm paying sixteen point five. If you don't like it, suck it. I'm out." Hmm. But I did I, I got to
0: tell you a story of yeah, story of mine that went the other way. So okay. there was a deal in Savannah, Georgia, that we were uh, going back and forth negotiating, and I even signed the contract at six million. And the night I signed it, the broker told me that the seller fell and broke his neck. He was in the hospital. He hadn't signed his piece yet
1: oh no way
0: so what ended up happening was um you know like everyone was concerned for his health of course we weren't going to go to the hospital and make him sign a contract but his wife was worried about what was going to happen if he did pass away because he's an older guy so she approaches the property manager property manager says well, i have this contract from like 11 years ago that gives me the exclusive right to list it when you're ready to sell and he comes in and kicks out all the other brokers out of the deal and he's he's like we want 6.25 we need a proof of funds we need a pre-approval letter like all these things and yeah. i honestly really didn't even want to deal with him anymore and he's like you know eventually we, we kind of put this stuff together and sent it to him and he's like okay we'll do it uh yeah i'm gonna send you the contract i need you to sign it like this weekend and we need the money in three days but the, the wow. um the earnest money we need the money in like three days yeah so i walked away from the deal I was like, I ah, forget it. You know, I it didn't feel good anymore, and I'm mm-hmm. not willing to do a deal that doesn't feel good. So I found out today that deal sold for eight point seven five million on the market. How
1: how long between?
0: It was like three months ago. We had oh. a six.
1: Okay, so they like flipped yeah, it, so the whole well,
0: No, they put it on the market. We were off market with. Them. Okay, got it. Yeah. So they put yeah. it on the market, sold at eight point seven five. We could have made you know two point seven million on it.
1: Yeah, but I think honestly, in my opinion, yeah, you could have made some money, but. Like probably the stuff you just learn from that is probably more important to be like, it could save you on a deal in the future. If something doesn't mm-hmm. feel right, don't do it. Even though you know they made yeah. some money on it,
0: and I, and I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. There's more deals out there. There's yeah, I like that story, man. That's that's yeah. good. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of the other side of yours. You you possibly could have lost a lot of money walking away from it. But back to the the mentors thing, like that's a uh, that's a thing I'm huge on. But some people. Is it right for everybody? You think everybody should pay Grant Cardone 25 grand to join his program? Um
1: no, actually. I think that some people should find out who's right for them. Who do they vibe with, right? Like I I love Grant because he's he's just he's real and authentic, and I aspire to be like that. I wasn't always like how I'm presented today. I was a little more shy, reserved, didn't post on social. And so just being around Grant, seeing how he's omnipresent, he's on all platforms, like which platform is his favorite, all of them. Doesn't matter if it's threads or Facebook, like he's just everywhere, right? And I think um, if you want to be like someone, you should study them. So for me, it makes sense, but it's not going to make sense for for everyone. I mean, you can also consume another route too, is if you can't afford the 25,000, maybe just go in... uh, consume all his content on youtube that's what i did before i got in his club i was on his live streams every monday 12 o'clock and i learned so you can learn everything that way too it's just not going to be in order it's going to be kind of scrambled around so that's enough that's a really good option that's free
0: yeah absolutely all the information is out there for free Mm -hmm. pretty much on anything you could possibly want to learn but the speed in which you're going to learn it the support you're going to have that's what comes from paying a mentor
1: yeah Yep. It's it's almost like you're paying him to show you what not to do, is what Robert Martinez tells me. You know, he he's he's there to show me what
0: not to do. Yeah. And having access to an expert is huge. Uh, I text. Being able to run a question by him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are some of the things you're you got going on right now? I I know you got those two deals you're kind of negotiating or about Mm -hmm. to do as far as multifamily goes, what's next? Yeah. Um so we did like last July, we closed
1: 10 million worth of multifamily and that was great. It was by the beach. That was more like um, less cash flow, but more of an appreciation play long term. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that because they're they not making
0: met- more beach property.
1: <laughs> they're not they're not and it's just that community pacific beach is this amazing so but now I'm, I'm moving into development not big development like this 41 story i'm looking at they're building right here but i'm looking at like this mini development play where it's feasible it's tangible i can go and build three to nine units and not have to go raise a bunch of money i could do it in-house with me and the investors i already have build equity um so that's one little bucket that's luna capital we'll continue to do deals we got an acquisitions team we have inbound leads coming in. We got techs rolling out to, to different markets uh, here in San Diego. So kind of cool to like build a team because I've always I've told you I had a problem being a solopreneur for so long. So cool to have a team around me for Luna Capital that will grow. We'll have investor relations and start raising capital. Um, and so, and then the other avenue is the education company I'm starting. I'm doing education in which I'm teaching people how to build ADUs. We're filming a course right now on how to buy multifamily units and build ADUs on it. We'll probably end up doing a mastermind and building this big education company around real estate. Those are two buckets that I kind of pour into. And all the content you see on all the platforms is for to get the attention of people and I'm just going to go look to do business with 15 to 20% of them, whether it's at a deal at Luna Capital or education and then we can go and partner on deals later after you've been through all the courses and masterminds and you know, I trust you. So after that, we we'll go do deals together.
0: How do you manage your time with starting that many companies?
1: Yeah, dude, that that's a great question because it's crazy how it all happened. It's like all of a sudden I'm doing everything at once. Um, Calendly.com. Like ever since I got my Calendly, it's so nice. I only do podcasts now Thursday, Friday when my my you know I have more time to be free and more relaxed. Uh, earlier in the week, no more podcasts for me. It's like get stuff done even my mastermind calls that I'm typically on I'm now outsourcing that stuff. Uh, I think you know Gabe Bowling, awesome mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, I used to sit in on those calls and it's great, but you know what? I was like, is this the best use of my time? Like, yes, it's important to be here, but I, you know, I, I know a lot of that stuff. What if I have Jeremy, my acquisitions guy, who's going to be running Luna Capital go to that? So now I, yeah. I asked Gabe, I was like, "Yeah, Yo, are you cool with this?" He was cool about it and boom. Yeah. Now I got Jeremy going there and it's like now Jeremy's learning, becoming a better human, a better investor a better teammate, and it's like, well, you know what I'm doing? I'm delegating
0: to keep it short. Yeah. I'm a delegator now. De- delegating the personal development as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and Gabe's group is pretty awesome.
1: Very awesome. Uh, Love I,
0: it. I, I I had Gabe on my podcast over a year ago, okay. and then uh, I, I've told this story to a couple people. I had I have an editor that edits my videos, and he sends them to me, and I forget to upload them. Or I never get around to it. We talked about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about that on your podcast. So uh not too long ago, I released the episode with Gabe, but we probably filmed it over a year ago.
1: <laughs> oh my god, a year? Yeah. Damn, that's 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 a long time, bro. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, a long time. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So his his deal room is great, and he's um his business partner, Ken G is Ken's awesome. He's a gangster genius. genius. Very similar to Robert Martinez, like this yeah. guy's an operator that like uh, yes, my favorite tip that i i posted this on my instagram story was that um they try to have leases end in the middle of the month on their properties mm-hmm. so they have before the end of the month to fill any vacancies so when they need to report their rent rolls to the bank for a loan or whatever they've got all the vacancies filled before they have to you know send it mm-hmm. so little things like that like the Cheeks. say you've got a unit for $1100 you're like oh that's not that big of a deal if one's vacant but You know, eleven hundred dollars times if they're buying at a five cap, could be a significant amount of money. Let's do the math. Do the math. Do the math.
1: Eleven hundred divided by let's say rates get even better, cap rates compress, and we're at a four and a half. So because you're selling strategically when the market's better, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's twenty four thousand
0: dollars. Boom. Twenty four thousand dollars.
1: That pays for your agent fees. It's almost like you didn't have an agent who had to sell it. You had an agent sell it for free because you had the inclination to, to 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 save that money
0: yeah and and it's the difference of a couple of days at that mm-hmm. level, just mm-hmm. the, like great stuff, but that stuff's not for beginners. I would yeah. say that for sure. Don't yep. spend twenty five grand to you know well, his isn't that much, nowhere near that much, but it's yep. not for beginners, it, yeah, it's not like there's basics, there's free stuff out there. Gabe has a free course, mm-hmm. you'll probably put something out here pretty soon as as you're filming it, yep, and uh yeah, listen to podcasts, read books student of the meet, game man need people student of the game that's what this is for is I, i'm here to learn things i'm here to get as much info from you that i can steal and rip off r&d rip off and duplicate i love so it like that i'm all for it man that's what i'm here for and anyone that's listening is uh, welcome to do the same but that's what uh, it's
1: about man like uh, when i was kind of on the come up like i on felt the come like, up. yeah when i was on the come that's up that's your podcast lot, that's my podcast I had to give it a little shout out but when i was on the come up I still, I still am. By the way, I'm always telling people. I'm always like, "Where am I? I'm going to be somewhere in five years." Like it requires a new version of me each time. I'm always growing, always expanding. But um, I had people around me doing deals, but everyone was so secretive about it. You know, like don't tell everyone what we're doing. And so my mindset has changed because that's a scarcity mindset. Like I've done a lot of like um, transformation on like who I am recently. And that's a scarcity mindset when you when you don't want to talk about it and and share it and give and pour into others. So now I'm an abundance thinker, and I'm like, there's like I'm looking at so much real estate right now in here in San Diego. Like there's plenty to go around. And so once you make that simple little tweak, you're more willing to share. And then that's where I'm at now. And I I can tell that's where you're
0: at. What's that transformation Chris Luna went through?
1: So it's called Size Seminars um it's a lot of the messaging you hear in grant's work i think chris crone does some of this stuff i just found out like people are like walking on like fire it's not i didn't do anything like like tony robbins stuff yeah it's like that but there's more to it than the hoorah stuff it's like you really look back to when you were zero years old to 20 you see how you're raised how your parents limiting beliefs were projected on you a lot of this stuff that uh you just kind of bury inside of you and you just store it in there. You know, I was picked on in high school, those types of things. And then they add up. And then so you you really have to peel back the layers and find out who you are and uncover that stuff. And the main thing is you don't just like fix it, you become aware of it. And once you're aware Mm -hmm. of it, then when stuff arises, you can just pivot, make a move, address it, not run away. So that's how I've changed recently.
0: Yeah, better awareness just leads to better choices. Yep. Yep. So just about finding finding out who you are yeah it's been
1: it's been huge in my in 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 what i've done recently i mean six months we started the social media thing and i I went from just being me to having all these awesome people around me and i that's something i want to talk about real quick is when when you start putting yourself out there on social media what i realize is you attract your energy whatever you're putting out into the world negative positive whatever it is you start attracting that. So what I'm seeing is, do people keep showing up in my life like out of nowhere. Um, and I'm attracting those people because they just see who I am. They see my real personality, right? On social. And like, so I'm getting the coolest editors, people like Brandon, Jose, all these people who just um, keep popping up into my life. And I think it's so great. And then like the podcasting has been good too. I'm meeting new people like you and making all these new connections and relationships with people across the United States. It's It's
0: amazing. Do you have to deal with any imposter syndrome as you started putting yourself out there and telling people, hey, this is what I do?
1: Yeah. I'm like always – like at first, I I'd care too much. Like, oh, man, like someone's going to leave this comment. Even – it happened to me on threads the other day. I started thinking to myself, this is foreign to me. I I start thinking about Twitter, and what I think about Twitter is there's a lot of smart people on there, probably much smarter than me, to be honest, okay? So – I started thinking like, okay, I'm going to post on threads and someone's going to call me out on something that's not true and there's going to be this huge ordeal and it's going to ruin my day. But then I was like, no, Luna, you're going back to your old ways. If you say something and it's not true, who cares? Just own up to it and move on. It's not the end of the world, right? It's just like go there to learn, provide value, pour into others, and maybe along the way I'm going to learn some stuff too. If someone corrects me, it is what it is. It's a conversation, and I like that.
0: Yeah. I, I had something similar happen actually recently. It just came to mind. Uh, the Chattanooga Airport, Chattanooga, Tennessee, just made a rule that you have to, or your luggage has to be there 45 minutes before your flight. In which I thought was crazy because it takes 90 seconds or less to get through security. There's no line. Yeah, you walk in, you go through metal detector, you're at your gate. There's four gates, and and I, so I commented on a post I'm like, "Why would I show up 45 minutes early when it takes 90 seconds?" And someone was like. Because they got to run your bag through the check security, dumbass. And I was like, <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I didn't think of that. Cool. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> okay. yeah, no I didn't worries. delete it. I wasn't going to – gonna. for a second, I thought about deleting the comment. I was like, I don't care. I just commented, yeah. oh, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. No one cares. The yeah, post just... is – no one's going to see the post after, like, 72 hours anyway.
1: Exactly. Just move forward from it. No big deal. Someone, someone mentioned something the other day to me, a, a comment – what was it? It was like, he was like, stop ruining our our housing options because I build ADUs. And he thinks that like there's people that are for it and there's people against it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the not, not in my backyard people. And so I didn't respond, but in my head, I was thinking like, I'm actually providing good housing, clean housing, much better housing than I had when I went to San Diego State. There's so many pros to it. But then I started mm-hmm. thinking like a little bit of empathy, like where is this guy coming from? Either A, he's just like a really sad person Maybe he just lost his job. Like he's probably going through a lot too. So it's like you know you empathize with people, whatever, and you move on.
0: Yeah, whatever. And, and the thing about posting on social media that helps me get through it is like, in the grand scheme of things, nobody's really going to see it. Yeah. And honestly, they're probably going to forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like our our attention span is so short. Doesn't it's matter. Getting... Just, just keep keep getting out there
1: it's getting shorter and shorter, right? It used to be like, I forgot someone posted this. I think uh, TJ did for multitasker. It was like, TikTok was like really short, like four seconds or no, Instagram was longer. Like people would go through posts and they got shorter with reels. And then now it's even shorter with threads because you're just reading like four or five seconds next, next. It just gets shorter and shorter.
0: Interesting mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. So what, what is, what is your overall strategy with the social media?
1: uh post on every platform at least once a day with instagram i'm starting to pick up to twice a day because i'm now i'm really pushing the threads why at least one thread and one reel i'm still super bullish in reels like people want to know luna they want to hear my voice they want to see me see my personality and that's how that's how i'm attracting all these people around me and as i build a big company i think having that that those reels out there just it's going to attract more and more people to me i do like threads obviously Mm because of the astronomical growth it's had and i never get any love on twitter so i just feel like i'm talking to myself on twitter so i'm over either. There.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I feel the same way so what, what do you post about twice a day on just, on instagram uh, yeah just in general because i have the goal of posting every day but i don't know what to post every day
1: yeah i'll run you through it i'll start with youtube youtube is like one long form like once every two to three days and that's going to be a podcast a sit-down video where i explain a topic what i on this set, like highly produced um, or a podcast or a virtual podcast. So probably like posting two to three times a week on YouTube. And then I would take all the content from there. A different editor just takes all that stuff and repurposes it onto shorts on uh, YouTube so that people s- see the long form. It's like a gateway. It's like a it. funnel. Yeah. And that's just all separate. And then everything I do on Instagram, we end up posting on TikTok, and, um, And the stuff I am posting on Instagram is like the sit down videos, the value ad where I'm talking about real estate, maybe, you know, a few times a week. And then the rest of the time I'm talking about personality, family life, just topics that come up, just stuff about me so people can feel like they can get to know me. And then on LinkedIn, we're trying to do blogs and
0: yeah, that's about it. Are you using AI at all to help you create content?
1: No chat GBT. Sometimes my editor uses to come up with topics, but I'm not using it personally. He comes up with those topics and we just kind of free flow and I answer them. Um, it comes out more authentic that way when I'm Mm -hmm. doing those sit down videos. But I, I recently, I like the videos of me out front of the properties because a lot of people talk on social media, obviously. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to be seen as that guy. And because I wasn't showing any of my success, I took a step back and I was like, you know what? Show success at least once a week, so people know that you like you've been doing this, not just talking mm-hmm. about it. And I think that's huge because people see that like I'm not just a talker. I've made a lot of money through real estate.
0: Mm. And you're actually doing it because. Yeah. And, and and the education side of it is great because it actually is changing people's lives. It's mm-hmm. helping people get into real estate for the first time. Absolutely, but it's also a very scalable business model. You can teach ten thousand people easier than you can flip ten thousand houses. Yep. And uh, so some people see you know the bad side of that, They're like oh this guy's you know selling a course and doesn't do real estate. Yeah. And, and there's probably people out there that are teaching real estate that have never done a deal. Mm-hmm. um so it is it is important to show hey i'm real like this is me yeah i'm talking about real estate because i've been doing it for years and uh this is a, this is a property i bought and and you throw out the address stuff all the time i like that like all the time go check it check the records it's all public data
1: yeah well, one thing i would say grant and even my buddy josh Villarreal would say was like be more specific with the numbers so like if you make like I know I made 800K, but I just told you specifically, I remember on that closing statement, it was like $796,000 specifically because mm-hmm. that was my first big payday. You never forget that. But like in my video, I say 800K. So someone can see 800K and be like, oh, is he really they telling the made that break? up. But yeah, maybe I was $4,000 off. But then what they don't realize is I say we sold the property for 1.6 million, but I really sold it, I think it was like 1625 or 1635. So I'm mm. off on that too. We sold it for more. So I just I go with the numbers off the top of my head because I remember right. them so well.
0: Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I think you've you've taught me a lot of things like just the um the strategy with the ADU and I'd love to hear or I, I guess just brainstorm how that would make more sense over here on the on the East Coast, just because I, I don't see a lot of people doing it, and I wonder why. But it's possible that it is it's more landlord friendly. It's not as necessary, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you, you think maybe that if a more landlord friendly state, you don't really need to do that, or um, does that even matter?
1: Where, where's the most dense part of town near
0: you? Well, I live just north of Atlanta. Yeah. So the, it's 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 a pretty dense city.
1: Okay, Atlanta then. So Atlanta, yeah. So I, I'm curious, like, how big do you think those those lot like are there a lot of single family homes or lots like that or is there a lot of space to build or not really because you're looking for depth. Yeah.
0: There's okay. yeah. There's there's room to build for sure. That,
1: yeah. See, San Diego, we're landlocked. We have the mountains and we have the water, right? Same with LA. So when you have mm-hmm. the water on one side and the mountains, you just you if you want to live in this town, it's it's all right there. So it's not going to be everywhere, but I had buddies say that they could do these out in North Carolina. So, uh, yeah. I like, that's a pretty open area. So, that was interesting.
0: Um, Maybe it just depends on the city. Or you just happen to be in a city where it just makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And what I would say is if you're not going to do ADUs, obviously, like, you're in the multifamily space. Yeah. Like, that totally makes sense in what you're, in what you're doing. Like, that's yeah. a. That's I prefer a
0: multifamily. It just makes more sense to me. It's like my, yeah. my language yep yep yeah um cool well and any last things you want to leave people with that we didn't get to touch on um
1: you know i would say i'll get a little motivational here for you
0: guys because oh, i just yeah Buckle yeah I, yeah <laughs> give it to me give it to me yeah so
1: i posted a thread i don't know if you saw it and it, it was a thread of an air mattress in my back office okay and so I remember I was like really depressed at this time because I was working really hard and there was n- like nothing was moving I felt like I was stagnant and when was this dude this was re- this is recent this was probably like 2019 2020 maybe around the pandemic and it was a tough time because there's like very low interaction with other people and I remember just thinking like man my business is slowing down uh, the school was basically saying I had to like shut close up my shop I'm like stressing out i only had two rental properties i was like i don't know how i'm gonna live and so i just what did i do i took that kind of like almost depression i was like i gotta like work harder right and i pushed it into working harder and, and i did and i'm happy i did but my, my point of all this is a lot of people think it's just like super easy and it, it it's just gonna show up right but you have to put in the time like every single day and maybe you don't have to sleep in your office i was a little uh, i get a little obsessive when i do things but you definitely have to put in the time. I know it's generic advice, but if you don't, nothing's going to happen if you just sit on your ass. So
0: that's true. Well, Chris, I I appreciate you coming on here, dropping, dropping bombs to the student of the game podcast. Where can people find you and connect with you?
1: First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. This, this has been a great podcast. I haven't done too many of these and, uh, I felt like this flowed really well and it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, people can find me on Instagram, Chris. Dot, no, is it no, Chris J, like the letter J, Chris J. Luna, and everywhere else. Everywhere is Chris J. Luna or Chris J. Luna threads, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere. 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 Or lunacapital.us. I have that website. too.
0: So. awesome. Well, I appreciate the time. If you are still listening this long, I appreciate you, and we will see you on the next one.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks, thanks for tuning in to the Student of the Game podcast. If you listened all the way to the end, I would love your feedback. The best way to connect with me is to reach out through Instagram. Leaving a thumbs up or a review on whichever platform you're tuning in from will really help this podcast reach more people. So if you found it valuable at all, all I can ask is that you would do that for me. Thanks. Until next time.